now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, Kaz and his friends had to flick his home world in search of fuel. But has Deep Core Drillin, 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 Deep Core Drillin, uh, <laughs> awoken a fabled creature? There will be dragons, environmental episodes, cantina dreams, and let's talk about how this isn't the gay episode it should have been. We're talking about From Beneath this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. No one cares, because this week we have a guest on <laughs> our show. He is the writer, producer, and host of Clashing Sabers Network, a geek zaddy, and one of the kindest and most thoughtful people I know. I love him so much. Welcome to the show, Mark Marquis. Oh, thank you for having me. That's such a sweet intro. I don't oh, deserve that, but but yes, I'll take you it. Do. Stop <laughs> it. Yes, you do. Stop it. Yeah, I'm, uh, this is uh, this is something I've been looking forward to because uh, I don't get to talk about resistance a, a lot. So uh, I'm glad that you invited me to come on. I'm so especially excited. this episode. You know what was so interesting is I I knew I wanted another queer person on this episode with me, um, but this is the one that you originally chose, right? We scheduled this like months ago, but you you picked this yeah. one. Yeah, right, right. This is yeah because this is the one that I that that I felt like was there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> yes, there is. Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions. If someone has never heard of Clashing Sabers Network, what is it? Well, Clashing Sabers is a very, very geeky, in-depth analysis uh, site. Like we have several writers, and what we do is just dive really deep into things, uh, stuff like uh, themes and um symbolism and allegory um it's really since i've been a member of clashing sabers it's caused me to really think about star wars in ways that i never did when i was like a kid i mean i you know growing up i loved star wars because of the you know pew pew you know the, the big space battles and the jedi and the lightsabers and then i started getting into like i don't want to call star wars unsophisticated but i started getting to somewhat more heady science fiction uh as i got older and then when star wars had its big revival i kind of came back into it uh uh you know really eager for a new star wars and so i met these folks at clashing sabers and i really liked how they would just really dive deep and just really get to the nitty-gritty of what makes star wars you know work as a mythos so that's essentially what Clashing Sabers does. Now, I, uh, in, in addition to appearing as a guest uh, on some of the uh, flagship shows, I also have a show that I write and produce called Forever Star Wars, which is just basically it's stuff that I like in Star Wars that I then take sort of a, an almost an essay approach to kind of explore it. Um, so I, I like to 
bring in lots of music. I like to use clips from the movies and the TV shows. Um, sometimes special sound sound effects and sound mixing is part of it. So it's really been something that I've I've that's taken off, and I've really kind of discovered that I had some 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 ability to do this stuff that I never knew I had before. So it's been a lot of fun. I would be a horrible friend also if I didn't ask about your Jurassic Park podcast. Oh gosh, uh, kind of wish you hadn't because that is. <laughs> that is well, that, no, let me explain. So you want, you want me to add that out? No, 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 no. I'll explain. <laughs> so the only podcast I've ever done has been Forever Star Wars, <clears throat> but I had quite a while back an idea for a Jurassic Park limited podcast, which would only be like maybe eight to ten episodes. That was basically just exploring the very first movie and finding some folks to interview and just we would just talk about Jurassic Park. And I even got a few interviews arranged and we got them recorded. And then I just let it fall by the wayside. <laughs> and I just I still I still have some of those folks. I feel so bad for them that sometimes we'll go, whatever happened to that podcast, Mark? That's <laughs> just it's like, well, it's kind of still on the back burner, and it might happen one day, but... Life happened. Life happened. 2020 happened. Just oh, gosh. That's that's what I've been doing. I've been blaming a lot on, on 2020. It's a Jurassic Park podcast. You can just put it in amber and extract there the you go. from it. There you go. Through. Hey, I already <laughs> came up with a great catchphrase for it, because when it, if I ever do get it back around to it and get it published and get it out there, I'm going to... I'm going to promote it as a podcast 65 million years in the making. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm so excited because I've, I've still have never seen the first Jurassic Park. Ever. Right. And, and I have an idea to interview you for the podcast as someone who's never seen the movie. I'm so have you, excited. Have you seen any of the other ones, Hope? Or? Oh, okay. So here, here's uh, Hope got her first kiss in Jurassic Park 3. Oh, Jurassic oh. Park 3, a sleeper. Yeah. I thought Jurassic Park 3 wasn't too bad. <laughs> so, like, I don't remember anything about the movie because I was on a date. So, um, so we were sitting there, and his name was Malcolm. That was his name. And I had seen the movie. Like, I went with, like, my sister or my mom or something, and I had seen it. And I so I knew the movie was getting close to ending, and we were kind of doing that awkward, like, middle school looking at each other because our moms were, like, eight rows behind us. And finally, I was like, Malcolm, if you're just going to kiss me, then kiss me. And he completely missed and got me right on the chin, but it counted. <laughs> Malcolm. Malcolm. Uh. Um, and so then, you could be forgiven for not remembering anything about the movie. Yeah, and I know I've seen the second one, but I was really little, so I just don't remember anything about it. Oh, my God. Million dollar well, podcast. Here's the three of us, okay? We have a bond now to make a million dollars with this podcast. The First Kiss podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not only do you have somebody describe their first kiss, you bring, you get, you you get the two people back together who had the no. first kiss to talk about their first kiss. Oh, yeah, that could be awkward. <laughs> well, you would, I mean, everybody would know they were coming on a podcast to talk about the first kiss, so I would assume hopefully they would come in and be like, okay, I want to talk about this, but... I don't even know if those guys are even alive anymore. I haven't talked to him since, like, middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He could be, like, not even here. I hope he is. He was a really nice guy. We just went to different schools, and I was in middle school, and I was like, I'm done. 
My first kiss was Scott Gardner's cousin. Oh. What was your first kiss, Mark? Her name was Allison. Oh. Yeah, and we actually... Already her is the problem here. (laughs) Right. That was never going anywhere. (laughs) But I... I had to kind of. I actually had to had to think about it because I, at first I thought was it a girl named Diane because she would have been uh, many years before, like when I was in middle school. Yeah, I didn't actually kiss a girl until I was almost in high school. So um, that would be Allison. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pull it back. We'll pull it back away from awkward kisses. I mean, it's never going to be as awkward as Luke and Leo. So at least we're all doing better than that. Oh, yeah, we're all yeah. we're all way ahead of that. <laughs> well, we would hope that it's awkward for Luke and Leia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I wanted to ask, what do you love about Star Wars Resistance? Well, I, you know, uh, one of the things that, you know, we discussed before I came on the show is that I was concerned that <clears throat> because I'm out of all the Star Wars shows, Star Wars Resistance is the one that I'm the least familiar with, only in the sense of. I've I've seen the others more times. I've watched Resistance all the way through. Um, but I guess like on a scale of like, say, if you have on one side, you have people that absolutely adore Resistance like yourself. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you have people that just don't want anything to do with it. I'm probably like right smack dab in the middle in that I enjoy aspects of it and I've and there are lots of things that I find appealing about it, but it just never really got its teeth into me like some of the other Star Wars animated shows did. And also one of the issues is that I, I've i watched animation over the years, but animation is not a genre that I am that familiar with. I tend to watch shows and animation that have something to do with the franchises that I'm really invested in. So it'd be Star Wars... Um, uh, the Lower Decks series, the Star Trek series that just came out like last year. And also there's a new animated series called Camp Cretaceous that takes place in the Jurassic World universe. And that I've watched. So I'm just not somebody that tends to watch a lot of animation. So um, that's one of the reasons why I, I haven't like really taken to it. But having said that, Uh, One of the things that I've always admired about about Resistance is how beautiful it is. The animation is absolutely gorgeous. And I know for some people that's like, you know, they're they're, not crazy about, I don't know what you'd call it, if it's cell-shaded animation. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, okay. I actually really like it. And having watched so much of the 3D animation that I was familiar with in the other series, to me this was a nice breath of fresh air visually and just even like when i went back and watched this episode like there were just so many times when i was just like i love the way that the colors work and i just love the way how smooth the animation is and that's so interesting because this is actually like one of the more muted episodes because we're underground most of the time (laughs) right well yeah but you know the still yeah the yellows of the planet and the like the glowing eyes of the dragon like all those things really pop in this Mm -hmm. type you know cell shaded animation so i must ask because you mentioned star trek lower decks you're a star trek fan oh yes that's our marks mark we had mark perez on a few weeks ago and he and chris 
Yeah, and he, and so Chris and Mark totally had like a nice little Star Trek conversation going on. Like uh, I want I want to say that your brain hope is so fine tuned to Star Trek: The Next Generation that like I like that you'll love it, but I'm I'm almost never completely right. But yeah, like Star Trek is made for you, Hope. You just don't know it yet. I know, I know. There's only so much time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then there's a lot of Star Trek out there. Yeah, I actually. I, I told the story to Chris, but I'll tell you now. Um, what's the first show chronologically? Dis- discover? That's not Discovery. You mean cro- in like the timeline? Yeah, in the timeline. Enterprise. 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 Yeah. So I watched the first episode of Enterprise, and me having just very little context of Star Trek, I really loved it. And because it actually reminded me a lot of Doctor Who in a lot of ways, of like those those first episodes when you have a brand new companion who goes to space for the first time and it, it had that feel to it. And I told that to my best friend who is a Star Trek person. And she was just like, you started with enterprise. And I was like, well, that's what my mom showed me. And she was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, but I liked it because I had no context. So it was fun. Well, I, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing though, because yep. yeah, I know enterprise gets, you know, a, a lot of grief. Um, and it's not my favorite Star Trek series, but there are such such strong shows that come after it that if you watched it and liked it, I don't see how you wouldn't love what would come after it. You know, like so, so that's why I would say that Enterprise would be a nice little introduction, because if like if there's anything that you grab onto in in Enterprise, you are definitely in for a ride for the other shows. Well, if she went into Enterprise and then when the, went with the original series, which would be the next in chronological order, it would get yeah. it would get a little weird because it's from that other uh you know an older time period. It's a different storytelling style and everything. By the right. time Enterprise came along, they'd sort of adopted into the the new syndicated next generation style of storytelling more and bits of right. deep space nine and all that to work with. Yeah. But uh, hope kind of... you're saying about doctor who, I think doc, the, the, the more modern, do, like the doctor who of the last 10 or 15 years, like storytelling wise, I think got affected a little bit by star Trek. I think influenced by it. So I think, yeah, like, I watched the first episode and it reminded me of like a Christopher Eccleston uh, episode of doctor who. Um, it, it had a very similar, that gritty, that kind of gritty feel, because like Tenet, they kind of very much lightened it up a lot, and it was a lot more whimsical, especially with Matt Smith, but Eccleston still had that kind of war-hardened grittiness about it, but like it had that feeling of like when they arrived to a planet for the first time, and the new companions like, whoa, aliens in space, ah! um, that's what it kind of felt like. So. We'll get you sucked in, Hope. That should be another podcast. We Me got watching. another. We got another person for the intervention when we finally. There, yeah. There Hope you go. comes so, in a room. All our friends are there. There's a TV on the wall. Chris and Mark <laughs> Perez came up with a podcast where it's Star Trek intervention, where they take Star Wars fans and then make them sit down and watch Star Trek. <laughs> 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 so, all right. One more question, though. So, like I said, going into this, you specifically chose this episode. So, what was it that, why did you choose this episode, and why did you want to talk about it? Well, one of the reasons why is because this it, it stands out to me as an episode where, um, because I was not, like, religiously watching Resistance at the time, I remember the the, the subject of, 
representation got brought up and uh, somebody in Clashing Sabres said, oh, Mark, did you did you see the latest episode of Resistance? And I said, no. And they were like, oh, you need to. You need to. Because and they were really excited. They're like, oh, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. And I got kind of got the sense that maybe it was like the first on screen representation in in Star Wars. And so, uh, you know, I watched it and then I was just like, really? But that's not what I thought it would be. And it was so it was it was just, you know, we'll get into it. But it was just um, it was it was like I I got built up thinking it was going to be this declaration. And it wasn't. Uh huh. so then I had to go back and kind of figure out because like, well, where did they get the idea that it was? And it's because they saw the interview where they were talking to, the, I don't know who it was, the writers or creators or somebody who said, oh, yeah, these two characters are, are a couple. Oh, it was the producer. And, it was uh, Brandon Allman, Justin Ridge and, and and oh, what's her name? Athena Portillo, I think it is. OK. But yeah, yeah, it was the producer's. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get into all of that, I'm sure, when we actually get to that part of the of the episodes. Because they J.K. Rowling that shit, where it's like, they're yeah. gay, but never yeah. on screen. Ah. Oh, everybody, just so you know, going into this episode, Hope's going to be a salty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you guys ready to get into the episode, then? I'm ready. I'm already. All right. <clears throat> From Beneath is the 27th episode of Star Wars Resistance. It aired on November 10th, 2019. It was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Wyatt and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. Flanks, the main cousin, is voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. His other work includes Tangled. If anyone's seen Tangled, he's the really drunk, short, um, like, uh, like, group guy named Shorty, and he's usually drunk all the time in the background. He's great. I love him in Tangled. Uh, Includes Tangled, Bojack Horseman, and the Venture Brothers. I also want to note his role in another Disney property, because Tompkins and Jim Rash, who's the voice of Flicks, were reunited together in DuckTales, which actually has a lot of Star Wars Resistance actors in it, including Bobby Moynihan, who voices Orca. Fleck, I scrolled down too far, there we are. Fleck, another cousin, is voiced by John Innes. His other works include Townies, Drunk History, and Mr. Pickles. And the rest of the Gazo cousins are voiced by Pete Holmes. The earliest outline for this episode began with the Colossus running out of fuel and becoming stranded in the Tamuz, Tamuz system, which prompted the mission to Dragor. Before they were dubbed Gazos, Flix's species had a placeholder name of Juzums. A nod to the Yuzums creatures. <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> calm down. The Yuzum creatures of Return of the Jedi. That was designed by Ralph McQuarrie. Yuzums were also the earliest forms of Ewoks in the movies. And finally, in the notes, this note breaks my heart because we were robbed of this, everybody. The earliest cut of the episode had Flix explaining his dream of being a cantina singer in song, but it was ult- but ultimately the episode ends with him saving the story for another time, and we are yeah, robbed. just like Maz Kanata and in the lightsaber. Ah, I want to, I want to see Jim Rush do a big game musical number in Star Wars so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It would have been so yeah, good. I kind of wish I didn't know that about the about the episode. <laughs> I know, right? Because it would have been so fantastic. I wonder if they. I wonder if they actually like wrote the song and everything. 
I oh I wonder if they like have an like a r- recording somewhere like in the vault that will never be released ever because it's resistance. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, do you know who else keeps things in vaults? Oh no, that was bad. That's bad. Dead way. Bad. Memory vaults. <laughs> yes, uh, many things in Yoda's memory vaults. Uh, uh, hi Yoda. So Mark, here <laughs> yes. is your complimentary spray bottle. Ah, this no, is... need for, no need for a water bottle. This Yoda's is for, nice. This is for if Yoda gets talking too much or what's in his vault or anything. You just do this. Psst, psst. So. No spray, I. <laughs> also, moisten you more, you bitch. <laughs> but it's just in case <laughs> he gets a little bit too. Time don't threaten Yoda with. Oh. <laughs> Well, we're already talking about what's in Yoda's vaults. Anyway, so just just be warned that that is your spray bottle. You can keep it. It's for you. It's 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 perfect. I have fine. a I have high threshold, so I may not be using the, the spray bottle just yet. Oh, we'll don't don't threaten him with a, with with that. He has sat in people's laps. I I think he lap, wrapped him. Lap lap lap. No, 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 no. Yoda is nice. in lap. But anyway, Yoda, this is Mark. He's our guest. Say hello and be nice. Uh, hi, not mom. <laughs> He's obsessed with John and Marie's mom from Geeky, uh, from Geeky Bubble. Mom came to visit once, yes. Mm. Yeah, let Yoda sit in her lap, she did, yes. Did okay. not spray Yoda. Not once. <laughs> not like me, nope. <laughs> hey, Yoda, we love and tolerate you. Mm. Anyway, I got a question for you. A question for Yoda, yes. Yes. So, it, we saw a dragon in this episode. A big, scary dragon. And I got to thinking, what is scarier? This dragon or that time you fought the Zillow Beast in Clone Wars? Mm. Dragons not scary. Majestic creatures of the Force and stuff. Yoda wasn't afraid either time. So, that's true. You were friends with the Zillow Beast, huh? Yeah. Did you hang out with him? Like, did you take the Zillow Beast to Bindu? And you guys hung out? Oh, <gasps> did Bindu ride the Zillow Beast? <laughs> In Yoda's dreams. Oh. <laughs> I knew that's where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we can't go anywhere else from there by Yoda. Where we are going, lightsabers we will not need. I heard you mentally think through that sentence, Chris. (laughs) 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 I could hear your brain's journey. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the sound that you just made. (laughs) All right, well, bye, Yoda. We gotta get Like a hamster and a rusty habit trail. I could hear you like pause thinking through that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> mm. There's also a little bit of animal from the Muppet Show in that too. Yeah, uh, just just a, just a faint whisper of animal. <laughs> we, we had a bit a few weeks ago where I was just like, "All right, it's time for Yoda," and Chris pulled out a freaking Kermit voice on me and scared me. I was, was, I was, yeah. And. But the thing is, like, his Kermit was, like, weirdly nice in a serial killer and was hinting that he had killed something. 
It was so creepy, Mark. It was so creepy. I was going more for Jordan Peterson, but... It came off like a serial killer. (laughs) So does Jordan Peterson, though, I guess. Anyway, you guys ready to get into this episode? Yeah, let's do do that. (laughs) <laughs> let's get let's get to that <laughs> and as i said feel free to laugh at my stupid jokes because it helps my ego and i love it so <clears throat> act one we open with a fun little crew this time you guys there's tora and cb23 and kaz but no one cares because everyone's gay uncles here orkin flicks are here and orkin flicks are hanging out it's the orkin flicks episode oh my god i'm so excited and they're on a shuttle heading down to Flix's homeworld because, oh no, the Colossus is out of fuel. And the only place they happen to be close enough is Flix's homeworld. And who cares about small galaxy syndrome because we get to see a bunch of gazos and I love them. But Flix is upset because he has to go back and see his family. And his family kind of sucks. And, but you know, his boyfriend or husband, which will be a running joke in this because I will bring it up later in my notes says that it's fine because family is family and they will love him and flix is like honey we're gay this is coded for us having really awkward christmas christmas dinners with our christian families and orca's like i thought this was the environmental episode and flix is like it's that too and it's a very rough landing but they're all okay but we do have a really cute little moment where orca is hanging on to cb23 and just kind of spinning in the background and it's adorable Anyway, so they all exit the ship, and they're all alive, and we meet Flix's cousins, who are all pieces of shit. But the biggest, smelliest pieces of shit is the lead cousin, Flanks, who is an asshole. And he apparently is in charge now, which just ruffles Flix's fabulous feathers. And he's like, I can't believe you're in charge. And Flanks is like, it's me, bitch. What you doing here? And we learn that Flix left home to chase his dream to become a cantina singer, which is just the most perfect piece of information about a character I've ever heard. And it's fantastic and I love it. And I like to headcanon that that's how Orca met Flix, where Orca was like in a cantina and everybody was booing and they all leave. And Flix looks out in the crowd and there's Orca and he's just like, sing me another one, sexy stranger. And Flix is like, oh my God. Wasn't there there something like that in one of the mid-season shorts or something uh i don't think so the the resistance shorts yeah i know i seem to remember those maybe i'm just maybe you just told that story before and it it you told it so well that it it's imprinted in my mind as a episode now it's it's chris cannon my work here is done (laughs) (laughs) anyway so um they're all there to get fuel and uh, Flix is like, hey, I'm part of this flock, too. This is my family. Like, I'm entitled to this fuel, too. And Flanks is like, um, you just want to be in on our riches? Because now we're deep core drilling and we're making a lot of money, ya mooch. And Flix is like, I'm sorry, you're doing what now? You're deep core drilling? We're never supposed to do that because there's a dragon. And right on cue, there's a dragon yelling in the distance, like, Hey guys, I'm here! But nobody cares, because Flinks is like, That's not a real dragon, that was our drill saying, Hey guys, I'm here. (laughs) Now the drill talks, it's fine. We call that drill roar around here. (laughs) Drill roar. (laughs) Roar drills. Anyway, 
Cass is like, okay, okay, okay. So there's a dragon. But how about this? You have a broken drill. I'm a mechanic, sort of. It's fine. Just pretend I'm a mechanic because I like to play one on TV. And I will fix your drill and you'll give us fuel. And Flix is like, awesome. But Flix has to help. Flix specifically because he has to help. So they all get on a lift and they start going down in the deep, deep planets. And Flix is like, Flanks, you dick. I can't believe you drilled near the dragon. And Kaz is like, you keep saying that D word. And Flix is like, what, dick? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. And he high fives his boyfriend or husband. Hope is very proud of that joke. <laughs> Super duper proud of that joke. Anyway, I thought of that. And I was just giggling like a middle schooler at like 1 a.m. Can you use the word bubrand? Bubrand. What's a bubrand? Bubsbind. Busband. Oh, a busband. Or, oh, or a boyfriend yeah. husband. Or yeah. a boy a boy band. <laughs> a boy band? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not a boy you're just getting silly. No, but it's there's boy and then there's band and boyfriend and husband. Don't don't add me. Okay. Anyway, anyway, so long story short, uh, Flank thinks the dragon is a little shit, and Orca's like, oh, that's really cute, but I'm gonna believe my husband or boyfriend on this one, especially since he tells the story dramatically. Do your thing, honey, and Flick's touched by his partner's thrill of drama, regales them in the ancient language of their, I think they're called Cranex dragons, I forgot to look it up, so it's just a dragon, um, that lives underground in the deep, and the older gozos warned them to never get too greedy. And while he's doing this, Kaz and Tora see something in the fog, and they're just like, whoa, Flix, you're either really good at what you do, or there's actually something really big out there trying to eat us. But oh no, rocks fall on their lift, and it starts to fall, and they're stranded, and something big is moving in the fog. Bum, bum, bum. Very good. Thank Very you. nice. Thank you, thank you. Well, Mark, you're our guest. What did you think of Act 1? Well, the very first thing that I wrote in my notes was, Gozos equal Porgs on stilts. <laughs> oh my god. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> Now, oh, now you won't ever be now able to I'll unsee never it. Unsee no! It. No! I love the Gozo design. No, I do too. Cute. I do too. I love it too. But it, but it's but that was just the first thing that came to mind. Is like, just well, you know, Chewbacca eating one. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that kind of opens up a whole lot of uncomfortable doors. Yeah, like, <laughs> does, does Gozos eat pork? Do they eat chicken? What's happening? Well, the the so the episode has that thing at the very beginning where they're in the shuttle and they're like, yeah, like, you know, Flix is like, yeah, we're, we're headed to meet my family or Orca mentioned something about, about going to see his family. And I just remember thinking how and this is like retroactively thinking, like, how could they have like inserted like more like more explicit, you know, queer content Mm-hmm. without like being explicit and all he had to do is say well i'm taking him to meet the in-laws you know or we're going like like i've always wanted to meet your family just anything that indicates that like the the act of taking your like a significant person in your life to go meet your family is such a thing that couples do mm-hmm. at some point in the relationship that you know if it if it were framed in a way that was other than we really need this fuel and was more, you know, I, I'm taking finally, he's finally getting to meet my family. 
I, I don't, you know, would it, it still, the episode still could have been coy about the rest of it, but I think if it had been more explicit right up, right in the very beginning, well, I think we I would found have been, out. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. We found out earlier, I like, in the first season, I can't remember which episode was it, but they were going to they were going to stay with his, with his mother. Yeah, so with his he, mom. So but, they've but already even met. Then, there's a difference between these mom are, and well, like these are your like the country cousins. cousins, or you know, yeah. like the coal mining cousins. Now, like, there's so a these, these guys are cousins. less cultured, maybe than than mom. Maybe mom's in an urban setting, and and yeah, or, yeah. That was the other thing that stood out to me was. It was the the conflict between them, him and his cousins, that you know they instantly come up and like, oh, he's too good for us. It was that was sort of something that rang true for me as is being, you know, if you're queer and you're in your, you know, you come from a family, even even sometimes the most accepting families, you still feel like you're the oddball. You know, you mm. don't feel like you're quite fit in, even if your family is accepting and embracing of you, you still feel different, and. So that sort of establishing that friction between them as well, he didn't want to be part of our life here. So he went off to, Mm -hmm. you know, to do his thing and and explore the galaxy. You know, that that also felt to me like that was exploring the queer experience of going back to family after you've spent time out in the world and in a more worldly environment uh, exposed to, uh, you know, new people and new perspectives. And you come back to this small town, so to speak where, you know, everybody's kind of has lives a very specific kind of life and they never, ever venture outside of that life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I because I, I have a very similar note to that, too. I I, I really related to that as as well, um, because I I'm not out to a good chunk of my dad's family. Um, I, I'm sadly waiting for my grandfather to pass away because he just will not take it well. Um, but there's always that moment when they're just like, well, why aren't you dating people? And I'm like, no reason. <laughs> and it's, it's really hard to feel field of those kind of questions. Yeah. Um, because you, it, it almost feels like you're, I don't, I don't want to say danger, danger. Well, I, I shouldn't speak for all queer people because some people are in danger if they come out to families. Um, I'm not in that position. But um, there is a thing of just, like, the danger of, like, losing my family. Like, I love my aunts and my uncles. Like, I don't want to lose them. But it's a really real thing because they're super religious. Um, And that's something I have to consider. Um, So I really kind of felt that dread. Even though it was to get fuel and stuff, I had that. I I understood that kind of story about coming home. Um, but I do, I do like the idea that Flicks left to be a cantina singer because that is so coded for like drag shows or the musical theater. Very much. Yeah, very, very much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Mark, cause that's, that's how I read that too. Um, Chris, what were some of your thoughts of act one? Well, that was my first note was that they, they, like they sort of set it up you know okay he's estranged from his family and you're sort of assuming what it's gonna be and i was like okay it's the the cousins because they're like they're with orca they're like hey orca you know they're like fine with him you know so it wasn't something about flick flick and orca it was flick flicks that 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 they were that they were jerks about and i got the impression that they all were pretty dumb (laughs) it was the (laughs) 
I actually have a note in Act 3 that I love like, how endearingly stupid they are. Well, I kind of wish that, like, maybe it would have been just too ridiculous, but I wish they would have gotten more battle droids with them and just made them, like, really dumb. Like, you know, or different kinds of dumb, you know? But, uh... But I like that they all had that. I love the science fiction thing where for some reason and like it's funny, like. Everybody from Earth doesn't have names that sound that like rhyme with each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Start with the same letter, alliterative names and stuff. Yeah. Like on this planet, apparently everybody's like just going to be a one syllable you know, F flex, 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 unless you're, unless you're that family, because I did go to school with somebody from that family who had all their kids have similar names. And I can tell you, they hated it. Oh Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. There could be like a different clan and it's like Drex, drag, green. No, no. I went to a real life person where like, like the school where like she had various, I think it was like, Jim's Jenny James and like she hated yeah. it. She, <laughs> no, my my cousins my cousins were Kim, Kevin, Colleen, and if they're they were all gonna be C names. Except for Kevin. <laughs> Except for Kevin. I should actually now that I'm thinking about it, my sister and I were Chris and Katie, which was a C and K. So my mom and and then our other cousin Ian. Yeah, my aunt Jennifer, who is a rebel. I should let you know, Mark, these cousins he's talking about, their last names yeah. are Huts. Yes, I have cousins oh. that are Huts with two T's even. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the Hut clan. They don't they are a clan too. They they, they that, <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, there had to have been times in our town where somebody re- referred to my uncle Tommy's family as the Hut clan. There had to have been. It was a <laughs> The huts did. They sat on their porch and drank beer a lot on couches and stuff. It was. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Oh, the mark ruining for me. I love the design. The concept. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go back to that. So he, uh, the so he's based on. An Yasum? early. Yes. Um. So the Yasums were some of the earliest designs of Ewoks. <laughs> Um, and so I, there's actually a lovely drawing from Ralph McQuarrie that I can't show anybody because this is an audio medium. But if you look, look up Gazos um, on Wikipedia, there's a drawing of it. And they originally changed and became Ewoks, but they are based on that. So is, uh, does a Yuzum appear in Return of the Jedi in, the, uh, in Jabba's palace during the musical number? Who am I thinking of? No, no, no. That's uh, size there, noodles. There's, size there's noodles. a character name. No. There's a character. Yeah, name there now. is a. There's a character. It's the. It's the character who sings the really high note, like gets right up in the camera, and you can see oh. down his throat. Who's that? Um, I. His name is Joe Yowza. Oh, jeez. I'm such no. a fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Sorry, I had to Google it. Like I'm on Wikipedia staring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was no, a it, real uh, fan, I would know that. Oh, there's no. there's there's yuzums in the book Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was the Alan Dean Foster s- sequel to Star Wars that came out before Empire Strikes Back in like as in book form. But it was basically 
he had he had him write the book in case Star Wars tanked and they had to do a low budget mm. sequel. Yeah, so, and yeah, there yeah. were a couple of a pair of yuzms in there, but in in that book they were like they were like Wookies. They were big, hairy, giant, super strong creatures, but instead of like an ape-like, dog-like head, they had more of an elephant trunk sort of thing and and weird like red eyes. Okay, uh, so in my defense, uh, Joe Yauza was a yuzum. Yes. Okay. So well, then I, I'm okay. I feel better about that. <laughs> well, I guess you're just gonna have to lose your incredibly imaginary job on Lucasfilm now. <laughs> oh yeah, you saw that, huh? <laughs> I did. That's bullshit. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Uh, no, okay. So I have this pulled up on the Gazo species for on on Wikipedia. The Gazo first appeared in Star Wars Resistance episode The Recruit, which is the first episode. Um, the species was designed for the series and was based on concept sketches of an Ewok by Ralph McQuarrie during the making of Return of the Jedi. The more the more bird-like designs inspired the Gazo, while the others were used for the basis of the Yasm species. Well, there. I like both designs because you know both designs are very Muppet-like. So I'm yes. I mean, I'm a fan of Jim Henson and, and the Muppets. So, you know, I, I mean, I dig it. We, like we definitely talked about the show about like how flicks would look in live action and how they would do him. And he would probably have to be a Muppet. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. He would probably be a Muppet in the guy in the with the guys in the green screen <clears throat> suits doing his legs yeah. and stuff, you know, Rod Rod Puppet. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. <gasps> Is that Dutch I hear? No, that is not my that is not my that, house. That's my neighbor's dog. Oh, well, hi, doggo. Oh, I don't know that dog's name. Sorry. No, that dog is just trying to tell Dutch hi. Like, hi, come podcast with me. Come hang out. Come hang out. Just be with us. Dutch is still unconscious. Oh, <laughs> he's still Boy. wiped out. Um, the the only other note I have is I just want Jim Rush to regale me about dragons every day. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that part too. I, you know, I always love hearing about dragons and, like, mythical creatures in Star Wars because while while we were like, yeah, sci-fi, but Star Wars is a fantasy. It's a space fantasy. So I love when we get these kind of mysticism, mystic things like dragons in Star Wars. I think it's really fun. Um, and it's it's a good reminder that this is more fantasy than sci-fi. And that's what I really love about yeah. it because it just, it just really makes that genre thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they say when they say dragons, you know, it's not like classic. I don't think we've had a fire like fire breathing dragon yet. You know, they've just been like giant lizards. Not fire breathing, <laughs> but the uh, crate dragon spit acid. Oh, oh that's yeah, that's, that's right. the closest to fire breathing I think that we've had so far. Holy shit! I just like looked up dragon on Wikipedia, and there's like a shit ton of dragons. Where did all the you guys come from, and why are none of you? You know, um, there's a dragon slug. Oh. Oh no, there's something called the hiss dragon. The hiss 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 dragon. Oh, oh, it looks like a little Gila lizard. Oh, anyway, no one cares. Moving on. <laughs> Mark, did you have anything else about Act One that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think we've covered most of it. Um, yeah. I think I think we've covered all the bases. What about you, Chris? I know you had uh, some thoughts about the colors and stuff. 
you mentioned. I heard you slip in there earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of my Act 2 notes, but yeah. Oh, well, okay, let's get to Act 2 then. <laughs> so, Act spoiler, 2, everyone? Spoiler ahead, Hope. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> That's going to be my a, nickname for you now. It's not a spoiler. It's a preview. A preview of Act 2. <laughs> Foreshadowing. There you go. See, Mark <laughs> makes me sound smart, Chris. You just make fun of me. I'm going to call it Hope Shadowing. <laughs> what? This is... <laughs> <laughs> a shadow of hope. <laughs> it's different than the shadow hope, though. The shadow hope is the evil hope that that comes in. Anyway, Act Two. Act Two. Act Two. <clears throat> We're escaping into all these acts from with our conversation. Threw my hands in the air dramatically, and then you interrupted me. <laughs> you threw off my groove, Chris. Act Two. Our heroes are stranded. Oh no! As a big ass dragon might be in the fog. And another rock hits them, and they're all like, shit, and they drop. And Flick throws on the brakes, and they slide to a stop. But they're not safe yet. They have to get out of there. And Tora's like, bye, bitches. I want to get the hell out. So she starts climbing up the track, and Orca's right behind her. But they only they get onto the track, because another rock hits them. And they fall the rest of the way, leaving Tora and Orca behind, as Kaz, CB, Flicks, and Flanks plummet below and Kaz gets the brakes working long enough for them to jump to safety but they have to jump off on separate ways before they crash and they're separated with this big like chasm thing doesn't matter and during all this or Tor and Tor calls in with Orca and they're like hey are you dead and Kaz is like no we're alive and Flanks is still yelling at Flix, and Flix is still calling him a dumbass. And Orca over the comm is just like, you get him, sweetie! And Flix is like, thanks, love, I love you! And they're like, I love you too, I hope you're safe, bye! And Kaz is like, alright, well, Tora, you go get the shuttle, and I'll keep everyone alive down here. And Tora's like, I got it. So Flanks is still being an asshole, and they get down to the drill. And, sorry, 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 I hope you back that up. I hope read the wrong line, it's fine, where am I? There I am. Flanks is still being an asshole, and they need to get back together. So he's like, Kaz, just go through that channel and we'll meet you down there. And Kaz is like, cool, I will walk into the darkness all by myself in this mine. And it's really dark, and what is moving in the background? And it's a dragon! And the dragon's like, hi, friend! Hi! And Kaz doesn't move, and he holds his breath. And the dragon's like, I can only see movement! Where did you go? I guess you're over here! And the dragon walks away, and Kaz is like, ha, 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 I peed a little. Anyway, <laughs> Flakes and Flicks reach the drill, and Flix is like, oh my god, you drilled into the side of the mountain! And Flix is like, yeah, that's what drilling does. We gotta get that all fuel. And Flix is like, you you opened up the hole to the dragon's home. And Flix is like, there are no dragons. But luckily, Kaz is like, Flix, Flix, Flix. And he shows up and he arrives. He's like, oh my God, Flix, Flix, my favorite uncle. <laughs> I I saw the dragon and it was big and it was huge. And I peed a little, but don't tell anybody that. But I did and it's huge and it, it sniffed me and it was all like, hello. And I was like, I don't want to be your friend. And the dragon was sad. And Flix is like, aha, uh-huh. he saw the dragon. That means two against one. And Flanks is still a douchebag off in the distance, and it doesn't matter. Anyway, 
we switch to Tora, who's helping Orca climb. And Orca's exhausted, and, you know, her power of friendship bullshit My Little Pony spiel is not working for him. <laughs> so Tora's like, look, okay, fine, I don't care if you want to hear my My Little Pony voice, but you have to keep going for Flix, your partner. Even though they never say partners in the show, because it's Star Wars! And Flix is like, you're right, I'm going to keep going, because I love the guy. Which is about as close as we get. Hope's gonna be salty in her notes. Anyway, we go back below and Cassie. Hey, that's like so- what you say just before a high five. I love oh. you, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I could say that about you, Chris. I love you, man. I love the guy. But no, no. High five. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, hope take it. Hope takes out her microphone. Anyway, so we go back with our protagonist, and Cass gets the drill up and running. But, oh, no, the sound of the drill brings the dragon right to them. And Flix is like, hey, see that? See that? I told you so. Flix, do you see the dragon? It's right there. I told you so. And Flix is like, not now. I'm having an existential crisis. And Flix is like, it's never the right time with you. And Cass is like, let's just run, guys. The dragons are here. Let's just run. Okay, bye. And they start running. Yay. I'm so glad I don't drink when I do these, because these would be unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> more more unhinged. Unhingeder. So. <laughs> Unhingier. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I actually do want to start with what you were saying, Chris, because that is probably my, my big note of this. Um, so what gets me about this episode? Because in a vacuum, I really love this episode. But in the context of ongoing topics of trying to get more queer media, um, especially in Star Wars. And we've talked about this on our our other podcast, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, is that Star Wars is so far behind other shows. You have like queer shows like Owl House and She-Ra and Star Trek now and like all these other shows. But for some reason, Star Wars just doesn't get it right. And even though it's in the same Disney property as other Disney shows like Owl House. And what's so maddening to me is how close this episode is. It's on the verge of being some of the best written queer content in Star Wars. And more than that, in all of animation. And it missed it just this close. Because when Orca says that he loves uh, flicks, it's so casual. And I could say that about you, Mark. I could say that about Chris, Mark. But that Mm -hmm. doesn't make us partners. And... It's not clear and obvious to get into that. And I'm going to come back to this in Act 3 because they they have another moment where it's so close. But it's just so maddening that they got this close. And because they don't confirm it ever in show, they're technically not canon. They're technically not canon because it's never confirmed in show. They just J.K. Rowling that shit because Justin Ridge confirmed it in an interview. Go ahead, Chris. Well, this reminds me of an earlier conversation where it's just sort of like it's a little cake and eat your cake and eat it too situation. There's no cake. The cake is out. Well, what I'm saying is, is they're they're sort of pretending that we're existing in the world now where it doesn't matter, where it doesn't matter, where it can just be sort of understood and stuff and just happens in the story and nobody, you know, it's not an item for anybody to pay attention to because it's just like ingrained in 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 life, and it's more ingrained in life and stuff. But it's but the reality is it it isn't because there you know it would you know there would be 
making firsts in cartoon history in 2021. Mm-hmm. So it isn't. So they're pretending like we're we're further along in the future, you know, post post any kind of you know where that would be a, a you know social issue turning up in in a cartoon and you know and then i thought of this do you think i don't do you think in their meetings that uh, obviously there were people talking about how they should handle it it's disney and star wars at the same time so you know do you think they came up that they're like they're a different species too <laughs> you know that was actually yeah. a thing that I saw going around that some like asshole fans were like, oh, it's bestiality. Like uh, that, that was a thing going around. But they're sentient species. Like they're they're living beings right. with their people. Well, yeah, that's but what back, I'm saying. Back sentient in, species doesn't, you Chris, know. Chris, shut the fuck up. Like Mark. Yeah, shut the fuck up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that was so I just wanted to use it one time. That's, <laughs> nothing personal. I just. I just felt you, like using it once. You have the power now. How does that power taste, Mark? <laughs> How does that power taste? It's pretty good. <laughs> no, sorry, guys. Uh, Mark so, was, so not not to not to spoil too much about Star Trek, because you know one of these days oh, you're, you're going right. to watch I'm, all I they have Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they do, but way back in the day, Star Trek had the same problem. Mm-hmm. So I remember. I, you know, I was watching Star Trek when it was sort of really in its heyday back in the 90s with the TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyager. They had the same issue back then, too, where they wanted to tackle these issues, but they were trying to do it so gingerly and so carefully as to not offend too many people. So I'm very familiar with what that looks like. And you they know, hedge their bats with how they yes. did it. And, you know, yes. well, this race is, well, this is what happens with this race. And this is actually, right. it's, actually right. it's actually somebody of the other sex in the in their, you know, but not in the body. So, you know. Right. So right. it's like allegory. It's like, yeah. you know, well, you can kind of read into it that it's a metaphor, all this stuff. The thing is, that was, it wasn't okay back then either, but it was a, it was a time when, there was just so much backlash against it that they did have to be careful. You know, it's really easy to look back on it with a lens of, oh, they should have been more bold or they should have been braver back then. But it was a different time in that the culture, our just our mainstream culture was not as accepting of queer people. It just wasn't. And so they had to sort of, they were sort of being coy and playing, you know, within you into it back then. But this is 2021, guys. Just right. like you, you brought up about these series, which I don't watch, but like Shira, they're they're playing to a lot of the same audiences. So There's what is reason the reason why the Owl House trends on Twitter every Saturday? So what is, I can't wrap my head around what it is that is holding Star Wars back because it, Star Wars is like a it's a juggernaut. It has the ability to make these leaps and be okay. So I, I, I think it's twofold. I think one, it's Disney, and Disney is always wants to be progressive, but they also always want to hedge. All, you know, they they don't want to take their lumps to be progressive. Right, they're gonna let right. other people take the lumps first. Right. But you said this other this other series, the, the what Owl Cat Academy? Is, the, oh, the Owl House. So Owl House so, is is under the Disney umbrella. Is that yeah? Part? Okay, so I'm. 
me and Chris talked about this for a long 30 minute spiel in our other podcast, Hope Makes Chris Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And we did it for our episode, The Love God. And we kind of broke down kind of what happened. And so we looked at four different properties, the Owl House, DuckTales, um, Star Wars being kind of everything, but we used Orco and Flix as an example, and Marvel. And we were, but all four under the Disney umbrella. And it kind of breaks down by properties. So you have Marvel, which has this history of comic books. So you can have a character like Valkyrie be bisexual, even though she's yet to do it in the movies, um, but be that character because she's been in the comics and those have been around for years. And then you have Star Wars, which is what we're discussing and how behind the times it is. But then when you start getting to other Disney properties, something like DuckTales, DuckTales had a character named Penny who was a lesbian, but they couldn't confirm it in show because mm-hmm. DuckTales is a protected Disney property with Donald Duck. Right. So they don't want to have those gay things in a show with Donald Duck. And the closest they could get was Penny saying that she doesn't like Earthmen because well, she's an alien. Um, And then you have Owl House, which is its own creation. It's a brand new show. It's in its own universe and it's a separate property, but it doesn't have any like quote unquote Disney characters in it. It doesn't have a history. So if it doesn't work, it's easy to cancel and it's ending next season in season three. Um, And so that's kind of how we broke it down, where you have these protected properties like DuckTales, because it has characters like Donald Duck and Goofy in it. So they have to be protected. And then Marvel has its history of comics. Star Wars doesn't have a fucking excuse. Star well, it doesn't have an excuse. It doesn't. Well, I guess it has excuses. It just doesn't have a good excuse. Right. You know, I, like um, like this, like there's the Disney is being conservative. Star Wars cost them a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. But Star Wars, and it's the ugly reality that like, yeah, like. Like you'll hear Disney and and Lucasfilm talk about it a little bit, but they don't like it's not good for them to talk about it because but you're you're talking the the fandom, the toxic end of the fandom, the angry Star Wars fans, and like uh, even though they shouldn't be there, they are something that are feared. I'm sure they're definitely feared. You can see the the movies. You can see the third, you know, the the Rise of Skywalker movie, like, breaking half its bones, trying to bend into shape to, like, make everybody happy or, or you know, or redo something that was done wrong. Or it was, it's, you know, it's all tied into it. And so. Well, the way that you describe, like, the the way each of those properties fit into the larger Disney you know under the umbrella that really something clicked when i heard that and i thought okay now it's starting now i'm starting to see a pattern or starting to understand what might be happening in that because of the way star wars is marketed you know star wars is in their parks star wars represents huge merchandising for them um it you know i I'm not that familiar with the term, but there's a term called four quadrant marketing. So it's probably one of those franchises that hits all the all the four quadrants in just the right way. So it has less to do with maybe maybe the reluctance has to do with how how much money comes in from all those different areas. And it's not that they think that 
that doing like having more queer representation in Star Wars would sink Star Wars. But because it's so profit driven, they're worried about that tiny little sliver of money they're going to lose in this quadrant mm-hmm. or that quadrant. Mm-hmm. So so it really does become, a you know, a marketing issue, which is bullshit. You're, you're not <laughs> well, very Star far Wars off. Is probably one of the golden you know, the golden stars in the stockholder, like the people who used yeah. to live at our house before we lived here used to be Disney stockholders. So for like the first five years we lived here, we'd get their stockholders magazine. And <laughs> I'm sure once they, this was before they acquired Star Wars, but I'm sure once they acquired Star Wars, like right up front in that stockholders magazine, it's saying, well, let's tell you how Star Wars is doing, <laughs> you yeah. know, because yeah. it's, yeah. And and you're not very far off, Mark, because um, a Disney creator named Alex Hirsch, um, he did a show called Gravity Falls, and um, he's talked about that on Twitter, is that mm. they seem to be so, Disney as a company um, is so scared to pull the trigger, and he has wrote tweets before saying well, they're afraid of losing pennies. And Yeah, yeah. And and it hasn't been easy either. Um, Dana Terrace is the creator of Owl House, and she has talked before because what she really wanted to do was make a hor- like a goosebumps like horror show on a, on the Disney Channel, and she couldn't really get that in season one. And they she had to really fight for it to be gay, and she had to go to different execs before they finally greenlighted it. And now season two, she's finally get, getting to do the horror and the gay. Like last week's episode, loose uh, Amity kissed loose on the cheek, and Amity is openly a lesbian and loose is a latina bisexual on the disney channel it's great mm-hmm. but then you go to um ducktales where samantha king um sam king she wrote the episode where penny came out as a lesbian and all penny could say was because penny's from the moon so she's an alien so all she could say was i don't like Earthmen." And Sam wrote a really long thing on Twitter about, like, that was all the execs would let me do. I had to go to multiple Mm. execs to get that much approved because that's all we could get in there. But, yes, we are confirming it here that Penny is a lesbian. And she had to confirm it on Twitter because she couldn't do it in show. And we we talked about this a lot when on our on our other podcast about how Alex Hirsch, um, actually in the episode The Love God, where we had this 30 minute conversation. Um, about how all he wanted to do was have two little gay ladies in the background. And it was the only, and Disney wouldn't send him an email. They would only talk to him over the phone so there wouldn't be a paper trail. And he said, uh, when they asked him to change it and cut it from the storyboards, all he answered was, why? And they couldn't give him an answer or else they would sound like bigots. <laughs> right, and, right. And he, and he talked about it in a long interview and he was like, I don't actually think they're bigots. They're just bending to a very small population and they're afraid to lose, like they're afraid of getting like angry letters, even though it's not going to hurt them. And he fought them and fought them and fought them and he lost. He lost that battle of his show because they originally said, if finally said, if you don't take out these two little old ladies, we will personally cut it out of the episode for you before it airs. See, what's so disheartening to me is is I don't know this for a fact that you just kind of have to feel it in your bones that there are people at Lucasfilm that very much want to introduce queer queer, queer characters yeah. into Star yeah, yeah, Wars. Absolutely. Like you just know that they're the fact that that there are so many queer characters in print, the print media of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Now, the print media is fantastic. I mean, there's all kinds of queer representation in in print, but print like uh Pablo Hidalgo was was commenting on on the different 
areas of Star Wars and how much money comes from each one. And and I, he wasn't talking about queer representation, but it was very telling when he said that print represents the smallest portion of the money. So yep. and so and that the that's where they read. feel the safest, right? And they they feel aren't the, reading the Star Wars books. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's just not it doesn't does not appeal to the kind of people that tend to have an issue it's, with it's not popular characters. enough either to, to right. get to get um, traction with, you know, so it's like, yeah. And and that's one of my issues with Tross uh, was that that so-called called big gay kiss was box checking. It was J.J. Abrams right. saying, like, we got the gays. And it was so small that China didn't even cut it out of their their film. Oh, they didn't. No, they it didn't. was it was the way it was shot was almost was, insulting to to everybody, gay, straight, it, film well, fan, Star Wars let's fan, be everybody's intelligence. It was just like here. It was so just obvious. In our culture, women women can show affection. Yep. And it not be perceived as sexuals, which is why sometimes when these people, when creators are wanting to in, insert queer characters, they'll choose women because women showing affection towards one another yeah. does not automatically mean that they are lovers. All over the, and, and a lot of places in the world that like are kind of homophobic, culturally women and men will kiss each other, <laughs> you know, in those countries. So you could even have it in that country and it wouldn't even fly right. as, as that at all yeah and but the way it was done was almost like it was almost like projected for you to see it to say like okay it was oh just yeah the word well it was such a it was such a bait and switch too because they knew how many yeah. people were 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 yeah. hoping for a, a finpo thing like mm. and they, they could have the thing that I don't want to go on a truss. So. Do it, do it, go on a truss, go on a truss, do it. You're the guest. All right, Hope and Chris, shut the fuck up. Go, Mark, go on a truss. I'm not going to get in the way of this. Go, go, go. The thing that the thing that bothers me about Finpo and the way they handled that is, you know, as a queer fan of Star Wars who wants to see queer representation in Star Wars. You know, I'm I'm kind of, sometimes I'm angry at myself with how what little morsel I'll accept, like just any kind of tiny crumb, like any kind of little gesture of any kind thrown our way. I, I I'm open to as long as it's you know not bullshit like the like the kiss or even with like this episode of of Star Wars Resistance. But at the very least, they knew how much how popular Finpo was. They could have at least kept it ambiguous, and they didn't. I mean, they didn't Oscar Isaac admit that he was playing Poe in love with Fed. Totally. Not only did he admit it, he he was like, you could like, there's an interview where he's talking about and very and he's very disappointed and kind of you know, he's just like, we wanted it, we played it that way, we just were not the ones making the decision. You could just tell that like there were so many people on board with the idea. That it went way beyond just they were queer baiting. I don't. I think a lot of. I think a lot of what we think is queer baiting from Star Wars was the actors really kind of pushing it and saying, "Hey, look, look, everybody yeah. seems to be having fun with this. Let's do this." Hey, and if the, you get and, two actors in a room and they say, "Let's put some undercurrent in this," and you don't tell anybody else, or you don't tell anybody else who would have a problem with it, 
nobody's gonna know till the end of the movie if you do it right so that's you know. that's actually what happened with the movie hook with the uh dustin hoffman dustin hoffman played hook in that movie robin williams yes. okay yeah, yeah him and, and the actor who played me played them played it up as lovers the entire time and when when the execs got it they were just like oh no <laughs> same thing with rhoda el dorado they actually wrote the two main guys to be uh queer and they actually left in a lot of their pet names and their flirting so it ended in polyamory and the execs were like oh no <laughs> yeah and, oh and i, I gotta say go watch the, the the second nightmare on elm street movie oh yeah yeah if you want to see if you want to see subtext put in you know without i'm sure the director and the the actor were 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 in on it but the the studio was not and half the audience wasn't well you know tross could have kept it ambiguous but they had to include you know an old flame for poe which doesn't automatically rule him out he could still be by and that's yeah, what my head canon is but or Demi. you know but like to, to bring this back to resistance um into what we were saying earlier i do think that these producers and these writers set out trying their very damnedest to make this as gay as allowed but i feel like this is a sam king and ducktales moment where they could put they could get right up to that edge of that line but they weren't allowed to cross it it, when when it you get close to way. when you get close to Star Wars or Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, and and all those guys, you start having more and more rooms full of executives and people. Because you this know, was still go, on going Disney over Channel. everything. This was still on Disney XD, and same thing with Star Wars Rebels because we went through this with Callus and Zeb too. Yeah. yeah. But like every everybody's going over that that stuff with a fine tooth comb, whereas Owl House can sort of be on its own. Mm-hmm. You can you can write it's it's not a it's not like a a plat you know a tentpole mm-hmm. uh, event. Mm-hmm. And even yeah, so I I I do think that the writers and the producers of Resistance really wanted to because it, they orkin flicks from season one were clearly coded gay from the moment they walked on screen they they were clearly that they had all the tropes they it was so clear and then we got the confirmation and i think that's about the best thing they could and they still what, what i guess what bothers me because as someone who does really love resistance is how much not a single time in pride month did they mention orkin flicks who are the first on-screen queer couple of star wars and that really bothers me is and this is a whole different rant now because resistance is going through a lot of erasure at the sequel trilogy i think they're trying to do a lot of erasure which is why we're in bad batch which is a very safe time period mandalorian is still a super safe show and i and i will always give resistance credit where it's group due where it swings for the fences all the time and it tries new things it tries new animation new characters new kinds of stories new progressive stories and it doesn't always work. It, it it fails a lot, but I will always give a show credit for trying and failing than not trying at all, which is how mm-hmm. I feel about Bad Batch a lot because I like Bad Batch, but it's an incredibly safe show. And I, like I feel to think like if they I, I, try. hold on one, one second, Chris. Ever since Last Jedi, um, I feel like they've gone safe. 
super safe. But everything up until Last Jedi in this show, they were at least trying new ideas, trying new things. And now all the new stuff is in print with everything on TV being just nice, safe, you know, nothing too deep, nothing really boundary pushing. There's nothing boundary pushing about Bad Batch. I mean, yeah, I read tech as neurodiverse. He reminds me a lot of Entrapta from Shira, who was purposely written as autistic, but I don't in hell think they're writing tech to be neurodiverse, but he's just clearly coded that way to me. And I, But I don't think they're doing that kind of story because it's a super safe show. What were we going to say, Chris? They tried boundary pushing a little bit with the... With the they, they started to try boundary pushing with the, the sequel trilogy, and it didn't work out for them, and now they're scared. So they're running back to they're running gonna run back to safe stuff for a while, but it, it I think makes me they, worried for shows like The Acolyte, which are, is already I being know. promoted as something that's totally outside of the box, which has me super super interested in it. Me but too. the fact the fact that I'm super interested in it is probably a a bad thing, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> just because it's if it if it doesn't sound safe. Then you know it's going to be a target for the most to- the, the worst toxicity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, because we're kind of seeing that right now with visions, because vision uh, visions is going to be just. I, I don't think it's even going to be canon. It's just how these no, anime, not. yeah, these animated creators see Star Wars. And already people are like, well, why should we be interested if it's not canon? Well, because it's awesome. <laughs> right. Like it's doing is, something they don't, they don't new. It's doing something new in Star what? Wars that's different and unique. And why, why do pushing... they have to? Yeah, just just put your uh, put your head arm on their shoulder and be like, little buddy, you don't have to be interested. <laughs> right. Interested don't have else. to watch it. I did a whole thing, a, a thread about don't hate watch. Like it, like if you are watching because you feel obligated because you don't want to be left out of the conversation. If you're watching only because you feel like you'll, you'll be left out or other people are going to get to say things. Or, I don't know. If you're not or invested in it. just blind, like I have to see everything in this, in this exactly. franchise, even oh. though it's killing me right now. Like so that's you would think like, that if it's not canon, then you would think that they would be okay with not watching it because then they don't have to watch it. Well, then don't watch it and let those of us who want to yeah. see what this might look like enjoy it without that's hearing why, you. That's why I like my podcasting partner. He saw The Dark Knight and he hated it, and then he just stopped watching DC movies after that. He well, just, that's what I, I do. That's what I do. When, I, when I'm when i not like, connecting with it anymore, I, I say goodbye. I, I just yeah, don't have yeah. enough time in my life to devote to watching watching stuff that doesn't count to me or doesn't matter to me. I can't keep up with the good stuff. And that's how I kind of feel about like resistance as well. Like I, I love the show, but I totally understand why this show does not work for everybody. But so many people have like, get like a sick joy of targeting resistance fans. Like I get, I still get the occasional messages of like, you like resistance? I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, fuck you. It's a stupid. And I'm like, why are you wasting my Thursday right now? (laughs) Like, don't you have friends and family to go hang out with or something? Like that, that's how I feel. Like I totally get why people don't like this show. It's, it's not made. And that's actually what, one of the things I like about resistance. It's not made for everybody and it's not trying to be. Unlike something like Bad right. Batch or Mandalorian, which they're trying to make that for as general of an audience as possible. This and doesn't. To and its it, credit, and it works. They, they both work for me. Like the one for the like the Bad Batch works great for me and Resistance work great for me. I'm like, you know, I like the the, the difference in them. But like, you know, 
yeah, I just don't understand. Like, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of, um, of the last Jedi, but like after, after Tross, I pretty much, you know, the, the, the bungling of the, the, the sequel trilogy was one of like management and everything. And with Tross being the only one that I think is like a bad movie. And I love last, I love, love, love last Jedi, but yeah, like, even though with that, but even though the sequel trilogy as a whole is kind of a big failure mess because it just had no continuity and cohesion and you know whatever you could go on for hours about you know what what it was it didn't work, but when I put those you know what is it like probably like seven seven to eight hours of Star Wars together, there's still like hundreds of hours of star Wars out there that I've just loved. And there's more coming out that I love. So it just sort of like falls back into the mix, you know, and I move, move on. I've, I've never had, I've never had a problem with sitting off to the side and letting fans enjoy something about star yeah. Wars that I don't yeah. necessarily love, unless it's something that just, I can't even, there's nothing, there's nothing in star Wars that has ever just been like, Oh my God, I just can't accept like that is just such an offense to my, you know, my, to my senses. I can't stand that people are liking that. Even with Tross, which I did not like, I, it was the first Star Wars movie where I just, just couldn't find anything really to like about it. And yet I, I see that there are people that enjoy it and love it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, good for them. Like, I, right. I'm, a, I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous because I'm like, it's great. I'm glad they love it because I'm glad somebody does. I just wish I could. It's I don't feel any animosity towards them because they do. Something that Chris told me one time, and I always keep this in mind, is we are all always rooting for Star Wars. And I want people to like what I don't like because then we get more Star Wars. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and because I have friends who love the sequel trilogy and so, like it actually pulled them back into the fandom. A lot of people, it was their first Star Wars movies. There's going to be kids and kind of mm-hmm. like the prequel. I was a prequel kid. I love the prequel. I love that era because I was a prequels kid. And 20 years later, like the prequels are in a renaissance right now. And we're going to see that with the sequel trilogy, too, because there are some yeah. people's first Star Wars right here. And yep. I want people to love it, even if I don't always like it. And. That's kind of the thing. There's so much Star Wars. Somewhere. We have we have books and TV shows and movies and audio dramas and and oh. all sorts of things and novels. And we're getting a manga soon. I'm so excited about the manga in in September. I'm dying because Star Wars and, and anime and manga are just like a match made in heaven. And there's so much that we don't have to like everything, but we shouldn't hate people for liking things. Um, I hope yeah. you know there is already Star Wars manga. I know. I actually own two of them. I have the first two volumes of Lost Stars, and you get volume three, and I'm waiting to read the Princess uh, Princess of Alderaan novel before I get the Princess of Alderaan manga, and also the Legend of Luke Skywalker one, and I can't wait for the Hyperpunk one in September. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, but looking at the time, you guys ready to move on to Act 3? Yeah, I've can got I, the... Can, uh, I just, can I say something real quick about Act 2? No. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Because because the you know the the orca moment really took up so much of our focus because it is the big issue I think for all for all of us to discuss. But I did notice that one of the things that I liked about Act Two was how Flanks continually denies that there's a there's a dragon 
And it's like he's he's doing it to such a degree that it becomes like almost like a running joke that like everyone sees something he doesn't. And it's I think it's because his focus is so narrow. He's he's he sort of portrayed there. Like, all the cousins are portrayed as being somewhat narrow minded people that just sort of have a very focused life and they don't think outside of that the boundaries of that life. And the dragon represents the unknown for him, the unknown which he's not willing to see, and and a lot of truth that he's not willing to accept that maybe they're doing damage to the planet. Um, but I also thought that fit into sort of the queer perspective of how we're, you know, queer people are constantly trying to get friends, family, coworkers to understand our point of view, mm-hmm. and you know, even the the best meaning people in our lives sometimes exhibit a, a, an appalling lack of understanding <laughs> to what it is to be queer, even the ones that really want to understand. And that was, you know, to me, that kind of rang true as, as being something that was slightly queer coded. Oh, yeah. Um, my, um, on, on that, like, a similar thing, like my mom, because um, my, 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 my mom is my is Facebook friends with my best friend. And when my best friend came out, I was talking to my mom. My mom's like, I didn't think she, I don't understand why she had to make a whole like t- uh, Facebook post about it, because it's not like anyone cares about that. I'm like, you don't understand, like, what that moment is. <laughs> like, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. And you go, well, you might not care. <laughs> <laughs> you don't because she doesn't have to do that that's the that's, thing like straight people telling. don't have to come out they don't the, have to have those moments people with that perspective often but the, the that's a tell you know when they say like well nobody wants to hear that and it's like oh so you have your finger and you know and they're never people that have like their finger on the pulse of you know society or whatever at the time or the youth of the time or whatever you know so they're uh-huh. just they're just saying how how they feel about it yeah. And also when you ignore the dragon and ignore the dragon for too long, you're more likely than anyone else to get grabbed by the leg by the dragon and hauled off, <laughs> you know, into the tunnel. <laughs> it it actually feels like a weirdly time like I shouldn't say weirdly. It feels like a super timely story to right now too, because I was reading an article about the defense lawyer to some of the women who were at the insurrection on January 6th. And part of what she was she was doing was giving them readings, like like important books about racism and and homophobia and all that stuff. And how telling it was that these people had never had this kind of education before and they had no mm. idea, like they didn't know that these things happened to the Na- Native Americans or mm. about the Tulsa yeah. riots and just how something as simple as like, and that was their dragon. And, right. and of course, like a part of that is probably just to help them get like lower pearls because our, you know, our system is sucky. But also, um, but I, I found that really telling. And that, that that is kind of the, as you were talking, Mark, that's kind of the dragon for a lot of people. Like these are yeah. people who didn't go outside their narrow views and they didn't think that uh, systemic racism or homophobia or, you know, what we did to the, the Holocaust or anything like that were real. Um, and that was their dragon. And they definitely have been got by that dragon. <laughs> it's called the FBI. <laughs> they got them. <laughs> and the FBI was the dragon. <laughs> the entire time. And but something yeah, tells like, me, something tells me CB1's not going to be able to help them. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I that's that's actually something I really like about resistance is how real it is. Like we talked a lot about doing that about season one, about how season one really did feel like the alt-right movement because it's all about a peacetime with fascism invading and people slowly getting their rights stripped away. There's an entire Holocaust yeah. scene of just the aliens in shipping containers about to get shipped off to prison yeah. camps. Well, Kylo and, Ren and the First Order were just, you know, from day one, who are, you know, were totally the alt-right, you know, mm-hmm. every, every, you know, I think they actually, I think that's one of the reasons they didn't explain like too much of the history of the first order so it didn't make sense in in the the first sequel movie because it would have seemed too on the nose that they were just sort of like fa- fanboys of the empire you know <laughs> that would have been a great the opening nose. of the cloud the first order fanboys of the empire <laughs> on the nose and there's Tarkin who's just like hi everyone I'm the biggest Bring space me my Nazi fanboys. <laughs> I'm the biggest space Nazi who's ever space Nazi and I'm Tarkin <laughs> on the nose my ass um anyway did anybody else have anything about act two or want to comment on anybody else's points I've got my prep out oh god ready to prep the puppy wrap up that puppy <laughs> Pop and I are coming up with a product. It's it's Saran puppy wrap called Prap. We we oh, always no. joke. No, we always joke on Act Three. I'm like, Chris, are you ready to wrap this puppy up? And he's like, Yeah. And then we actually ran with oh. wrapping puppies. <laughs> but I think fine. I think I started out saying it, and you were like, Wrap that puppy up. Why would we want to wrap the puppy up? And then it's like, been ongoing for Christmas, for... and I'm like, No, in Saran wrap. And I was like, No. And then it's been ongoing for 279 episodes. It's evolved to prep. Last week's episode, we finally came up with a rap by Parappa the Rappa from the video game Parappa the Rappa. That'll be to publicize. That'll be part of our big bust out publicity campaign for prep. So yeah, if you go listen to last week's episode, guys, right before Act Three, if you want to hear me rap horribly about rapping puppies. Oh, she raps. No, no, no. I white girl. It's not yeah. rap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. There were. Oh, that's right. You can't see me. I was doing air quotes. <laughs> okay. All right. So, act three, everybody. Act three. Act three. Actually, I well, hope take a drink right fast. Hope we got prepared. All right. Well, act three. Chris listens to Hope Drink Water. <laughs> oh, okay. If you really, really want a good sound bite. So. Yep. That's like the opposite of ASMR. <laughs> Whatever the opposite of ASMR, that is what that was. <laughs> that, is, that is ASMR. <laughs> I'm so glad that I could provide this service for everybody today. ASMR. Oh, that's Chris, hard to say. Chris, you better absolutely leave that in. Yeah. Why am I asking you? I'll probably I... enhance it. So yeah. Awesome. Good. I'll I probably find to. some real sipping reverb. ASMR with a two thousand dollar microphone to layer on top of it. So our last <laughs> guest described our podcast as a chaotic experience. Are you feeling that, Mark? She's very oh, nice that's... too. So she was being uh, nice. Chaotic is fine. Yay. <laughs> 
Anyway, F3, time to be a salty bitch. So our heroes are running from a dragon and it's trying to eat them. And it's all just like, hi guys, I just want to hang out in my mouth. And Flanks, being the dumb fuck he is, tries to fight it with a drill. And that goes about as well as it expects. So Kaz, my baby boy. Okay, oh, hope I hope I didn't put this in her notes, but she said this in last week's episode. Kaz is getting better with a blaster. Because we see in this scene that he starts shooting the thing and he gets it in the eye. So well done, Kaz. Yay, I finished my note from last week. Anyway, the dragon grabs Flanks by the leg. And to quote the Weasley twins of Harry Potter, well done, dragon! Well done! So we go to CB23, who is the sassy real hero of the show because she's just fantastic, and we all love CB23. And she shines a light into the dragon's eyes, and it's all like, oh, my eyes, I don't like that. And he drags Flanks away, and they're all like, oh, I guess he's dead now. End of episode. So you want to go get get that fuel, Flicks? And Flicks is like, he's my, my cousin, Cass. And, and Cass is like, well, he's kind of a dick. I guess we'll go save Flanks. So they head on out after him. And they find the dragon, and it's about to eat flanks. And you know what? Kaz again gets the dragon right in the eye because I got ahead of myself in my notes, and no one noticed. <laughs> and he shoots it in the eye, and he makes him spit out flanks, and they run away. Ah! Anyway, Tora and Orca finally make it to the top, and they're all just like, "Oh my God! There's the other Gazos! Gazos! We really need to get our shuttle and some fuel." And because we have to go save them down there. And the Gazos are like, I don't know about this. What if we charge you for it? And Orca, love him. Bobby Moynihan, you're precious. Love your performance. And he's all fed up. And he's like, listen here, you little shits. My boyfriend or husband, but absolutely partner, and your family are down there. And we're going to take this shuttle and get back you're gonna give him the feel that he's entitled to, to or you're all gonna get a foot up your asses so help me and they're all like okay and he t- marches off to the shuttle and they take off and Taurus just like Woo! <laughs> way to go Orca! and he's like i know i'm great and flix's cousins are like wow we see why Flix liked that guy and asked him out and dated him for several years before they got married and, ha- and are a very happy gay couple together. What a great fun. Just kidding. This is fucking Star Wars. They don't confirm it in show. Ah! Anyway. You okay? You okay? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It was not fucking close. Oh. Ah! All right. All right. The madness is out of my system. Anyway, so Kaz and Flakes and Flanks get to the drill, and oh no, now there are three dragons, and the dragon's like, these are my friends! And they're all like, hi, friends, and the dragons are like, hey, sup, I'm Dragon Steve, this is Dragon Bob, and that's Dragon Schmitty. He has the weird voice, and Dragon Schmitty's like, shut up, guys! I brought dinner! I lost my spot, where am I? I had too much fun doing dragon voices, where am I? Oh, Kaz is like, hey, they can't see movements. Everyone stand still. And Flix Blossom comes up with a plan. And like a badass, he takes Kaz's blaster. And they're going to distract the dragons with some pew-pewing. And Kaz is going to go turn on the floodlights. And it works, because it's a Flix plan, not a Kaz plan, so it works. Long enough for Tora and Orca to show up at the ship and get them the heck and heck out of there. 
but before it does it, Flanks is like, fuck you guys, and like seals up the, the holes and the, seals the dragons once a, once and for, oh, fall, but whatever, fuck. Anyways, the dragons are gone, they're saying, hooray. So they get back up there and Flanks kicks open the door and he's like, hello everybody, I'm not to do my Captain Planet 90s homage dramatic announcement. We must save the planet. The dragons are real. And the goddesses are like, oh, the dragons are real. Cool. And we must save the planet. And it's going to be great. And Orca, so happy to be back with his partner, he, he looks at him and he's like, you know, Flix, my darling, he's not as, your cousin's not as good at the dramatics as you are. And Flix is like, oh, thank you, love. You know how hard I work at it. And Orca's like, I know. And they share a loving embrace. And the music swells, and it's gorgeous. And then and they kiss. And the no, 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 no. First, the sky has to open up, and doves come down. Spit Star Wars doves, so they look a little weird, but they're still cool. And Morai, Morai from Ahsoka. Ahsoka sends Morai there, and the light side bird comes down. And Orca takes him into his arms. He's like, Flix, I'm so glad you're my partner, boyfriend, husband. And they share passionate, loving kiss together. Just fucking kidding, it's Star Wars! <laughs> anyway, Flanks and the Gorgazos give them fuel and they go away. Anyway, the end. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, here's my other thing. Okay, so I, the madness. Going back to what I was saying about Orca and the first thing, this is the other scene where it would be so easy because all they have to say is, I see why Flix is dating that guy, or I see why Flix married him. It's that fucking simple. <laughs> just mm, to have that yeah. one little piece of dialogue of just like, I see why Flix married him. There, done, perfect, perfect, it's great, it's there, it's, uh, it's great. It's just, ah, uh, ah, uh, it drives me insane, Mark. It drives me fucking insane. It's that, uh, well, uh. it. This one for me was a just a little bit better than the other scene because this one they at least say he's quite a find or yeah it's like he's quite a find or something like that which is something you generally say about somebody's significant other and not just a business partner or a best friend so yeah just only slightly better but you're right it just could have been one word i can see why they're together or i can see why they're together just why they're together like i can see why they that's better yeah Ugh. Uh, it hurts my soul because it's it's really that simple and it would have been so natural it's not like they would have to have a big PSA where they're just like where Orca's like by the way it turns and faces the camera and rainbows pop up behind him kids I'm gay this is your PSA from Star Wars like no it doesn't have to be like um, that hope, hope. space gay <laughs> I'm your space gay from Star Wars <laughs> I'm space gay that's what they say in Star Wars we are we're the space games like and you should know kids that it's love is love and, and like no they didn't have to have a PSA moment it could have been that natural and like that's what gets me it's like it's that it's that fucking simple <laughs> and they just fucked it up they fucked it up Mark. but as 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 you know as easy as it is for us to go back and say well, they could have just added one word here or one word there I imagine that the battles that they fought to get just what they got in there. Can you imagine what they yeah. had to go through? And, like, and there's no telling. In, yeah, in, there's in no telling how ex- how explicit it was that they just had to pull back and pull back, and that 
you know, that this was the compromise. You know, it, everybody they, was probably tired from the battle that they had yeah, the, from the like yeah. Lord of the Rings war they had to have to have a female lead in the in the sequel trilogy, you know. Right, right. So, well, not to change the subject, but just, just a quick tangent on Lord of the Rings. I didn't notice that there were some re- like not references to Lord of the Rings, but to me, the dragon sort of was very Lord of the Rings esque and that. Yeah. Yes. The the way it was like it was awakened because they were mining too deep reminds me of the dwarves mining Moria and then awakening the Balrog. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like very similar to this. And also the dragon design itself. Yes. Kind of reminded me of Smog a little bit. Yes. Now, no, it had that Benedict Cumberbatch jawline <laughs> sort of thing. Yep, you know yep, what I mean? That, totally. that just Stupid. sort of like, oh, hello. <laughs> Now I wish we had that note sooner so I could do a horrible Benedict Cumberbatch impression. <laughs> no. Fix it in post. But I, I, I love the design of the dragon. I'm a big fan of Star Wars monsters and creatures and animals. And I, I thought the design on this creature was really, really cool with like the big head crest that was just over like really huge. Yeah, like and, kind of like a rhino stegosaurus thing going on yeah. with it, but not, but pointier and more, yeah, cumberbatch. And it, it had a very cool roar. Like it had this weird quaver in its voice, like in its like in its roar that was very similar to the reek from Attack of the Clones. That's kind mm. of how it like mm-hmm. it had that little little quip quaver in its voice. Um, and also there was speaking of Jurassic Park, the whole thing with uh, the dragon not being able to see Kaz move was very much from Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. Like that was pulled straight from the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. It's a nice I, little nice little reference there. I don't know why I'm sitting here going, uh-huh, I've never seen it. <laughs> Well, well, the reason I wanted to mention that is the day that you do finally watch Jurassic Park, you'll go, hey, I remember that's very much like Resistance. We absolutely will. (laughs) (laughs) One of these Christmases, Hope, we could do a commentary. We actually were talking about that, about doing other Lucasfilm properties we haven't seen. Like, neither of us have seen Willow. So we were talking about doing that for our Christmas commentary this this Christmas. Uh, Is it bad that I was really rooting for the dragon to eat flanks? (laughs) You know what? Remember during I'm they're gonna come up again here, but the mid season shorts. Remember how they had the one where Flix was carrying all, or caught all those heavy um um crates? Oh you know, yeah. like, oh and I'm like as an old person it was making me nervous with his spindly legs. Well this proves that their spindly legs are pretty strong because he was just getting he was going about sixty five miles an hour down that, that tunnel just hanging by Not that only that leg. But like inside the mouth, Flanks was like able to like hold the mouth open for like a few seconds, and you know that the bite pressure on that thing was probably really like yeah, awesome. oh Mark. So <laughs> in the Resistance shorts, there's there one of the shorts is about Flix and Orca and someone trying to rob them. So they do this whole like dramatic spiel of just like oh we're just poor shopkeepers, take all of our things. Flix <laughs> lifts his partner Orca one handed. Oh. <laughs> and I just like that tells me so much about your bedroom life. <laughs> <Just that one laughs> right there, like lifts him one handed, and I was just like, mm-hmm, yep. That <laughs> just told me everything I needed to know about you two. <laughs> mm. And you Love can tell that. how heavy he is by how by how he looks on tour. It's funny because he's short, 
but when he's on Torres back, you realize he's short, but he's huge. <laughs> he's yeah, gigantic. I was I was like that was the part that hurt my back was watching Torah try to carry yeah. you know this this Chadra fan on her back. I I just thought it was funny and in the in the shorts there was another one where there was an explosive in the shop and like their reaction to it. And uh and it was, you know, we got the impression that that Orca was the one who was sort of level headed and you know the like kind of the the tough guy and and because Fli flicks just lost it with the it was running around and stuff but when they sort of like reversed roles when they got into familiar territory for flicks where he sort of like took command of the whole situation where orca's just like i'm gonna ride on your back to the top of this ladder thank you it's just, I actually, we, I, I really love the resistance shorts because they actually do so much for Orca and Flix. Like there's a moment, like in the in the same explosive explosive moment, Flix throws himself on top of Orca because they think yep. they're about to die. Yeah, but just that was after running around moment. like a chicken with his head mm. cut off. Like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And then, like, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but like, yeah, that, yeah. Now those are paying off in this episode. So yeah, even though they're all like 48 seconds long or whatever, they they packed full of stuff mm -hmm. and those were those shorts were orca and flicks heavy too they really were they were pretty much like just could be their own spinoff and i'm here for it mark what did you think of back three? Oh, i you know i it was very action heavy so I, I didn't have a whole lot of notes on it um but um you know i think we've covered most most of you know every, everybody's already spoken about you know, you've mentioned the scene with the the cousins and and uh, and I've already mentioned the the allegory or the analogies to Lord of the Rings and that's fine. Uh, that, was, that was pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> um, well, you know, I just had a thought when remember you guys were talking during the the synopsis of it about the um about you know and then and then it ends with them in a in a kiss. And it's like, oh, of course it couldn't end like that. But then I was thinking about it, and no, in the in the the you know it, there would just the fact that they were both, assumedly as if because as I say, we have no idea what's going on underneath anybody's clothes in Star Wars. It's space, <laughs> but you know that would be there. I mean, I believe there were probably a couple there there might have been an episode with anakin and padme or whatever but <clears throat> just but just narratively anyway in this kind of cartoon or this kind of storytelling you know at the end of an episode like that to have the two main characters say if they were a husband and a wife and have just before it goes into the typical star wars you know circle fade in on them and they they go into a clinch it wouldn't not be out it wouldn't be way like off format for star wars or anything like that you actually just reminded me of something um i i believe it was star wars explained um so forgive me well yeah because if i'm wrong um i didn't know them i don't know why i apologize i don't know um but i feel like it, alex was talking about when he reviewed this episode how weird it was that you know orca and flicks were separated and they almost died but they never embrace you know like yeah. once they're back together and then i just and as you were talking chris i remembered the freaking malevolence arc where padme almost dies and like she gets reunited with anakin and they make out on a train yeah <laughs> yep. almost because padme almost died 
And yeah. I, well, yeah, the neither of them got even... the the perfunctory I thought I'd never see you again line. Right. Mm-hmm. They they don't this scene this episode doesn't even end with those two characters being like speaking to each other or having yeah. sharing a moment of any kind at the yeah. very end. It, I, I did remember thinking that it was that it ended very awkwardly. Like very suddenly and awkwardly. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, no it, I as we're mentioning the shorts, I think Orca and Flicks like like are more physical in the shorts like they're covering each other from bombs and like Flix is lifting his partner with one hand like they're more physical in these 48 second shorts than they are in what should be their episode we need to, I need to go friends. check those out we they're need fun to be, they're, they're just fun. they're, they're and, a ton of fun it'll take like 10 minutes of your time too yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the moonwalk is canon in star wars now because of those fucking shorts <laughs> Well, we got to make friends with more Star Wars writers because we got to get we got to we got to get in on some of the like writers meetings for episodes like this, because like it like that the, saying the end was kind of sudden that all, all of a sudden was like red flag of like, well, maybe something got cut out or something, you know, or uh, we know that's mm, close to the song at some point. So maybe that's where the song was cut out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's right. That's right. Um, did you have anything else about this episode, Chris? Not me. The only thing I wanted to know, and I kind of did it, is I actually don't mind Flanks' proclamation about... Because this is actually technically also the environmental episode. and Oh, yeah. And it's so also have, the brownest episode, the, like the brownest episode we've had since Clone Wars, which used to have like whole... Most episodes were like color-coded. This was mm-hmm. the first one. It's like this episode is just brown beginning to end. But I, I don't actually really mind how awkward Flinks' proclamation about how drilling is bad, because it really did remind me of, like, those quote-unquote very special episodes of 90s cartoons, which this is an homage, like, the show was made as an homage to a lot of 90s anime, like Macross. Well, um, and, his and, and, cousins are kind of dumb, too, so you might have to explain it to him, like, in a dramatic way, you know, to I make it, it, it sort of sunk in uh, with him when he did it that way, you know, they're like, ooh, yeah. he put on a show, I understand yeah. that. Yeah. But, oh, my God, that's where cause I, I actually know I like that because it shows that, like, they're all kind of dramatic, like, fr- flicks. And, like, so flicks maybe is not as weird as they all thought. Oh, I had cannon. Yeah, they might be a very dramatic species in general, you know. I definitely have written one in my, my fan fiction where he is a sports news reporter and he's kind of uh, dramatic. So <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I like that. It reminded me of like those '90s cartoons, and I will, I died laughing. I, I just lost it. How stupid the Gazas were when when Flanks came out. He was like, "The dragon is real," and they all go, "Ooh!" <laughs> <laughs> what if they? I was going to say, so I, no, it's okay. I was about to say something really stupid. I was going to say, what if <laughs> well, the Gazo species, what if the Gazo species were all just an all male species and reproduced asexually? But then I remembered um, his mother. So, no, 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 so no. it's not the case. No, no, no. But we know that they have really, you need strong... to, you need to watch the Orville where they have another, where, where they have two, two male characters that hatch an egg between the two of them. In the Star Trek. I want to watch the Orville. You've told me nothing but good things, but I really want to. Mark, have you seen the Orville? It's it's good. Oh. It's yeah. really good. 
I want to so bad. It's even be- it's even better if you're a fan of like Star Star Trek: The Next Generation yeah. because yeah. it just like it's 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 so like, true miraculous. to that. To the- yeah, the 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 tone of the next generation. Only it's you know kind of comedic. So it was one of those things. It came from Seth MacFarlane, so I had low expectations of it, and <laughs> and, I, and then I was just like, it just clocked me in the head with perfection. It's closer. It's closer to Galaxy's Quest than it is. Yeah, that's my yes. favorite movie of all time. Oh, I love Galaxy well, Quest. Well, Jesus, hope then you're ready for Star Trek. You know Yo, that yes. Oh God! Movie. Don't act so surprised. You know that's my favorite movie. Oh. All right. Well, if we don't have anything about the uh, oh, talking is hard now. <laughs> if we don't have anything else about the episode, Mark, we rate the episode on a scale of one to ten. You're the guest. If you want to rate it a twenty-one, I totally get it. I don't think you will though. Um. So, what would you rate the episode on a scale of one to ten, and why are you rating it that way? Well. Overall, I think it's a solid episode uh, with a great monster in it. Uh, Flicks and Orca are fun to watch. Um, but the the big what if that hangs over the episode is kind of casts a big shadow. So I couldn't like give it a really high rating for that reason, but I also didn't want to give it a low rating because I did think that there were a lot of things in it that I liked and enjoyed from more of a visual standpoint. So I gave it a six out of 10. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, what about you, Chris? If it was handled a little differently, it probably would have been an 8.5, but I'm giving it an eight because of the, 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 the clunkiness of, of the the obvious obvious you know threading of needles and and hedging of bets and stuff like that docks is the docks at half a point but all in all it's a, the music is really good in this episode it's visually arresting and it's it's kind of fun and goofy it's a little and 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 I'll give it a little bit of the 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 unfair drawback of the last episode we did where it's like not driving the plot ahead no tam you know and we're we're in the last season <laughs> you know and it's sort of a a side story but as a side story like i said if this was four seasons long this would be a a you know perfect little just sort of pocket episode so yeah eight so in a vacuum, I would have given this like an 8.5. I, there's so much I love in this episode. I love Orca and Flicks. I love the dragon. I love the Gazos. They're just fucking stupid. They're dumbasses. And I love them all. Um, and so like in a vacuum, I want to love this episode. There's so much I love about it, but I just can't. I, I just I know what it is in the context of struggling to get queer content in Star Wars. I see it compared to other shows like Owl House and She-Ra and DuckTales. Even DuckTales, while it struggled, at least it got something solid on screen. And, like, like so another thing in DuckTales, Violet has two dads. That's right there. They say, and they have shirts that say, I'm with dad, with arrows pointing at each other. <laughs> and it's just like, I can't, I can't in good faith, like, give this a high score because it just, it, it it's, 
I keep saying it's maddening, but honestly, it's just hurtful. It's a it's a hurtful episode that they got so close and towed that line so much, and they couldn't cross it and be like, this is queer content. They are gay. Here's the confirmation. Here it is. Yeah. So I give it a 7.5 out of 10 because, like, seven's my average score for, like, it's an okay episode. And this is a little bit better than okay because I do love Orca and Flex, but I just I can't give it the 8.5 well, I want to. It's disappointing every time you're reminded of the line. You know, and it do- doesn't matter what it is. On it. <gasps> That's like, such a good way of putting it. When we know, watch a property and we have to remember the line is there, it's not here's, good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And even in our discussion tonight, when we talk about, you know, like Mickey Mouse, you know, what if Mickey Mouse is bisexual, you know? And then we think, oh, that, well, you know, you can't go there. That's Mickey Mouse, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's just that, and there's the line right there, you know, but there, but that, that's the thing is there's a line, you know, mm-hmm. if yeah. it, like you could have, you, you know, I mean, and that's the, it, you could watch politicians do it when like, say, uh, I, I remember the last time um, Hillary Clinton ran and I think it was in maybe the primaries or something, but there was you could see the line of like Medicare for all and you could see Hillary Clinton go up to it and then be like, boop, bulk, nope, it's, we, we don't go past, it doesn't go past there. It's not going to go past there, no, you know, and then you, it's disappointing. You, you, you see it, you know, it, it wasn't there and there's people moving towards it and then it's like, boom, oh, oh, it's still there, you know. I, I really there's like There's always going to be something, you know, we can do it in Owl House, but not star wars and then when they you know i my theory is when they breach the the topic it will be with uh if they can get um um donald glover to do lando again in some way mid if if that that show takes off somewhere mid-season lando meet you know meet a guy somewhere and uh, they'll, they'll go into his Lando pansexualis. Oh, I bet they would do it like they did Loki on the Loki show. Lando pansexualis. And, you know, and then, and he's very charismatic and, and he's already kind of political and stuff and they could broach it there. But when Star Wars gets it, it's always going to be, you know, Mickey Mouse or, you know, you know, the, the prime Disney characters or, you know, there's. Well, I would yeah. love to see it happen by bringing Dr. Afra in to live oh, action. Yes. I would love to see that be the first because, you know, if you're going to go big, if you're going to do it, do it like big. That could but, actually happen. But, yeah. I, but I think you're I think you're more onto something in that they probably would go the Loki route of having like Lando, like a throwaway line that Lando says that just kind of puts a pin in it. And it's like, there it is. There it is. They've already sort of tap danced around that with Lando. And, you know, Glover was like, yep, OK. <laughs> and yeah. and it was I, like Oscar Isaac sort of feeding it, you know, so. But I like how you phrase that when a show reminds you there is a line, it's failing. Yeah. Yeah. They, like, pretend, like they pretend there isn't a line anymore. But you, you, you. All you have to do is keep pushing forward to some point and you, you'll you hit it, you know. Well, they're, they're skipping a step. You can't get to the point where it doesn't matter if right. you're treating it like it matters and you can't yeah. say it. <laughs> you can't it, get it, to it that point. It ends up making it, it matter more and more, you know, right, by just right. drawing attention to it. Mm-hmm. Well, as always, we would love fact. to hear your... Hmm? Or drawing attention to the fact that it's being tap danced around, you know. Mm-hmm. 
As always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page or on the Two True Freaks website. Um, we're not doing any feedback this week because we do have a lovely guest and we're running a little bit long. Uh, but just know that you guys can leave our your feedback and we will read it on the show. Um, well, if we don't have anything else from, from beneath, Mark, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Well, it was a lot of you, fun. Before you leave... First of all, we have a guest graffiti wall at the very bottom of the document. You should totally add to it. Um, I will. But also, where can people find you? You can usually find me on Twitter. I'm uh, at DJM Markey. That's D-J-M-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. And where can we find Clashing Sabers? Oh, Clashing Sabers. You can follow uh, Clashing Sabers. Uh, the website is clashingsabers.net. And there are lots of um, programs within the Clashing Sabers network. Forever Star Wars, which is the one that I do, is but one of them. There is uh, Don't Burn the Sacred Text, there's Starships, and there's Sith Talk. Okay, so you can find those in, in where most podcasts are, are uh, found. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at the Two True Freaks network, which is at twotruefreaks.com. And like Clashing Saber, it is a collection of a bunch of podcasts, tons and tons of podcasts, and of course, Hopes and my podcast, Jay Guys and Jedi. <gasps> we have a podcast? Fuck! How about I that? I thought we were just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I hope I've been, yeah, this is, yeah, we're on, oh, we're, we're cruising on 300 episodes and you're just catching on. <laughs> There's a Surprise. bunch of people. There's a yeah. There's a bunch yeah. of bets that there's a bunch of bets that have just started cashing out right now. I <laughs> wasn't allowed two, to bet because I'm involved. Two seventy nine. Two seventy nine. Who had two seventy nine on hope? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can you can sign up for our SS feed there and see all our shows, or you can go to um, you know like Apple Podcasts and stuff like that, or you can. Uh, See what we're up to on Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks podcast page and the Two True Freaks Cantina. And uh, I hate to say it, guys, but we're also on Twitter. We're you can come hang out with me and Mark on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I know they're, you're all on Twitter. I'm just old and yelling at the sky. But but that's it's it's okay because I don't have to run our Twitter page. Our Twitter page is run by the heroic Gene Gene, the podcast machine. The man who if we there have was, to sing the song every time. I'm sorry, Marcus. If there That's was the really a bet as to when Hope would have like like figured out when we were secretly recording a podcast, it probably would have been Gene that that won because he's the like he's like the central scrutinizer. He listens to every single Two True Freaks podcast and we have over five thousand episodes. Complete ep- yeah. I'll we have over 5,000 episodes, and he's like, listen to all of them. He listens to all his podcasts <laughs> wow. at like 10 times speed. You know, one podcast <laughs> in each year at the same time at 10 times speed, just absorbing it through op- osmosis. That's exhausting to hear. I would love to be able <laughs> to is. do that, though, because there's so many shows I want to listen to, but I don't have enough time in the day. And I would just love to, like, stick yeah, my phone yeah. to my face and just pour them, them into and... the top of your head and yeah. let them just soak in. <gasps> like over in, the next like, like in, the hol- in the holiday special. The guy pours his drink in the top of his head in the, in the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, right, right. Ah, yeah. Wow, I can't believe I pulled out that reference. <laughs> I can't. But, 
Anyway, that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? I can't believe I pulled out that of all references. You can find me at Jacobs and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also follow me at Hope Molinex. I do write over at geekygirlexperience.com where I write reviews of all sorts. I just finished writing up a review of the recent High Republic book, um, The Rising Storm. I also write Owl House reviews over at the Geeky Waffles. So if you like Owl House, I've been talking about it a lot. You should totally watch it. It's on Disney Plus and just it's fantastic. Hey, and it's super gay and it gives J.K. Rowling a big F.U. finger like every week because they make fun of Harry Potter all the time. Um, Go watch Owl House because I write reviews over at the Geeky Waffle for that. And Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons where I make Chris watch my favorite animated shows. We are wrapping up Gravity Falls and he is watching Avatar The Last Airbender for the first time. Yes. So we're having fun with that over there. Check us out there too. Yeah, come, to, come, come feed off my my first time experience. Can I yell at Mark now? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to totally blow that. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so a lot happy. Of fun. I'm so I'm glad you had a good time. Was it the chaotic experience that was promised? It's, it was pretty chaotic. You did deliver on the chaos, but but that's good. I need chaos keeps things interesting and spicy. Oh, I'm glad that you're here, <laughs> and I'm. It's so great to talk to you. I really like. I, I miss talking with you, and it's so great to hear your voice. And I love you so much. <laughs> love you too, Hope. Thank you. All right, you guys. Well, come back next week because we. What are we talking about next week? Next week we are talking about the Relic Raiders. Oh, it's the Mika Gray episode. We get to go to a Sith Temple next week, everybody. Yay! All right. Bye bye. Wrap wrap your puppies. Enjoy your. Crap. Crap it up. Wrap up those puppies and yeah, Mark run away. <laughs> <laughs> nice meeting you, Mark. Escape. Nice to meet you. Okay, I think that, I don't know. Cut it somewhere, Chris. I don't fucking know. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.